Today's episode of The Gold Cast is sponsored by Middle School. Is your child done with elementary school and a little too young for high school? Then consider middle school, the one in between. San Francisco, are you ready? This is The Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of The Gold Cast. This is the Bay Area Fan Perspective. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom! And that's it. Here, just me. That's it. Just you, man. No, no other host. This is it. Just the, the brother Solis in the building. Okay, so we're going to start today. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but we're going to start today with, with what I feel was some of the biggest news for the Bay Area, and that is that the Warriors Stadium in San Francisco breaks ground january 17th ray boom they're back and you know what's you know what's interesting what's interesting is that there are younger fans who don't realize that they're actually the warriors are from san francisco and that they used to be the san francisco warriors there literally are actually fans who don't realize they're coming home they're not leaving they're coming home exactly and actually it's funny you say that because there's a lot of oakland fans that are upset about the change the reacquisition which uh by the way that was kind of spearheaded by the the san francisco the local government over there administration headed by ed lee who sent the invitation out to the warriors inviting them back to san francisco and then of course next next was the follow-up and finding the location which ironically that was kind of what delayed us because the stadium should have already broken out a long time ago but there was a lot of disputes understandably because there's a hospital that's going to be very close it's going to be the next door neighbor of the warrior stadium and so naturally there was understandable apprehension and debates on whether that was a logistical practicality in that location, which I totally get, and they said that there was they would they would implement contingencies around the lane. And the reason why I know this kind of information is because I co- I covered this from my day job. I actually had to cover this; it was part of my day job work. So this was a big debate. But there, there's going to be a lot of business revenue that's going to come out of this. A lot of business growth, which is also going to improve the the property value out there for for other surrounding owners and stuff like that. It's a lot of good things that are going to come out of it. I understand exactly where everybody who is on the other side, basically defending the hospital's grounds because the uh, uh, UCSF wanted to buy more space and expand their facilities, but that didn't happen. So um, I hope that they, that's the, that was the big thing that was kind of, I was concerned about. I was like, you know, can this even work? You know, I totally understand where both sides are coming from. They say they can make it work. They say they're going to make an emergency lane that would be exclusive to patients traveling to and from the hospital. I'm sure there's other sort of uh, traffic improvements and contingencies that they can create to, in order to help alleviate that. Because traffic in the, in the city during those hours, whether there's a game or not, is always like that. So uh, no, What area if, is it? It's in Mission Bay. So if you're looking at a map of San Francisco and you see the location of the Giant Stadium, just go mm-hmm. south, directly south of the stadium, and it's over there. If you just cross the little water, the water there's a bridge that, that's on the south side of the Giant Stadium, and there's a bridge that crosses the water over into the Mission Bay area, and that's exactly where the stadium's going to be. And UCSF is over there. That's where uh, neighborhoods such as Bayview is over there. Further down southeast, you have the former location of Candlestick Park. So it's it's familiar territory um, 
for a lot of people, but Mission Bay has not has, has just only recently um, boomed into a more commercial zone and, and facility zone and a, and a new location for UCSF, which is you know one of the leading innovators in medical technology. So um, I'm excited about it too. And uh, but getting back to the original point, um, the Oakland fans do need to realize that in the 1960s, the Warriors were called the San Francisco Warriors. Then in the 70s, they went over to the Golden State name, not the Oakland Warriors. Not to be confused here, they didn't change cities. They just simply became instead of San Francisco team, they became a Bay Area team, kind of like the California Angels in the 90s and 80s. So. Um, I think it's great. I can't wait to see the jerseys that say San Francisco. Right now, they only exist in throwback form. So I can't wait to see the actual names with the San Francisco jersey on it because I can't wait to pick one up. But I'm assuming they're keeping the name uh, Golden State now. No one knows. You know, they, they think, like, are they going to go back to San Francisco? Is there going to be a happy medium so that they're not dis- making fans feel discluded who are Bay Area fans? Because if they go to San Francisco and and, and – and take on the San Francisco moniker, will that, you know, discourage loyalty that existed outside of San Francisco? Some people suggested that the Golden Gate Warriors would be a happy medium. I actually kind of like that name. I doubt they'll use it. So we'll just have to wait and see. I'm kind of thinking that they're going to be San Francisco Warriors. If I was the mayor of San Francisco, I would want it to be San Francisco Warriors. I'm telling you right now, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to stay Golden State only because, okay, had they not been to the finals and won, then I would say, yeah, it's going to go back to San Francisco Warriors. But because they won and that branding now is so huge, I think they're going to stay Golden State. No yeah, I, I'm um, I'm with you on that. I would totally not. I would not be surprised either way. But in terms of marketing, from a marketing perspective, from a brand perspective, that makes a whole lot of business sense. So it, Yeah, it, does, it doesn't make sense to change at this point because they're so big now. They're right. so big. You know, had, had right. they not they're the, gone? They're the biggest team in basketball's you know, in in their respective sport, almost in on all three sports, they have a lot of uh, they've caught eyes of of all of of fans from all three sports. So exactly, yeah. So no, I'm I'm telling you right now, I think they stay Golden State. I think it's great for the city. I think it's really awesome. Um, I think again, we yeah, are still how, seeing. How cool would it be to see a day game of the Giants and then stay hang out at night and just head south to Mission Bay to go watch a Warriors game right after that? Oh, man, that's crazy. That is so crazy. Um, but I think also on the flip side, this kind of furthers the point that, you know, despite all the growth in Oakland, it, it, they can't really support the amount of teams that they have. And they've really struggled with it. And, and the Warriors, uh, I, don't think, I don't know if people realize this, but the Warriors were selling out that stadium before the finals. Like, it's not like it was just like all of a sudden bandwagon at that point. I mean, the Warriors have always been really, really popular, but I think a lot of that was coming from the San Francisco area, a lot more than I think Oakland realizes because that there, there wasn't the same fan base for the A's or the Raiders. Right, which are exclusive Oakland teams. Yeah. You know, those mm-hmm. are, they're exclusive to that market. So, And the Warriors are a Bay Area team, so you were getting fans from San Francisco, San Jose, North Bay, South Bay, the Peninsula, you name it, everyone was coming over there. And even from the, the far, far east, outside of the actual East Bay. So, I mean, like, past Alameda County and Contra Costa County. So- well, it's the, one, it's the one team we can all agree on. And I think that's awesome. I really do. They've positioned themselves as that, and I think that's great. Like, I think it's awesome that they've really cornered that idea that no matter what, no matter which other alliances you have, 
we all agree on the Warriors. And I love that. I think that's awesome. You know, that's yeah. that's just so cool. And it's very unique and it's unique to this area. And I'm not sure if I I mean, I don't you know, I'm I'm trying to think. I'm like, can I think of another team in a different market that unifies two rival cities? I don't I don't know. Can you think of one? I'm not off the top of my head. I can't think of another team that does that, that that's their corner. You know, no, that's every, their everywhere else is a, is a city. Yeah. Or, you know, or a state and there's no other one in the state, you know, or, but yeah. Yeah. I mean like there's no like Midwest warriors or something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> tri-state area warriors. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't know, but it's pretty exciting. It looks like they're going to, they're going to, they will be there at the start. At least the goal is the 2019, 2020 NBA season in San Francisco. They're coming home. That's so dope. Super dope. That is amazing. I love, I love it. All right, so that's awesome. Moving on, we have got some uh, some NFL business to attend to here. Wild Card Weekend, and I'm just going to be honest, bro. I am not the biggest fan of Wild Card Weekend. I'm really not. Like, it, it, I feel like it's you're you're seeing the last like teams that like skated in, you know, by the skin of their teeth, and they don't really belong there, but they're there, and it's, you know, it's. It's this weekend was a lot of blowouts. Um, you know, they weren't super exciting. Wildcard weekend for me is kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's it's not bad. I like it more than I like round one of NBA playoffs. But having said that, it's still it's not unless your team is in the wild card. It's not always the most fun weekend of NFL football. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And it almost felt like Thursday Thursday night football because every single team won by double digits. Straight up. And that's pretty much what Thursday Night Football is, simply because it is a logistical disadvantage to the traveling team, and it's just mm-hmm. a complete waste. It's a terrible idea. They'd have to really change, tinker with the scheduling and who plays and have it on a rotation basis, similar to what Max Kellerman suggested in one of his final takes about Thursday Night Football. I thought that was a pretty good pretty good uh, idea, what he had. But uh, I enjoy Wild Card Weekend and the playoffs in general, simply because you get, uh, you get whole weekends worth of football so it's like mm-hmm. saturday there's football there's two games there's one in the morning there's one in the afternoon sunday it's the same deal next weekend it's the same it's going to be the same deal and then obviously after that it'll be back to the normal schedule but i do like the aspect of having saturday football because otherwise saturday's more or less exclusive to college football and i don't watch college football agreed for sure um so let's talk about these games uh, a little bit there's not much to say uh seahawks destroyed the Lions, which didn't surprise... Did that surprise you? It didn't surprise me at all. I had no hope for the Detroit Lions. I What I believed was going to happen, right? I believed they were going to lose their last three games because there's no way they're getting through the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Packers. No way. And then I thought one of the other wildcard teams would step up and they would be eliminated from playoff contention. That's exactly what I thought. And instead, um, I was wrong. Instead of losing three in a row, they lost four in a row because they actually somehow got in. You know, so it, it that one didn't surprise me at all. You know, um, Seahawks domination of them at home in Seattle. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. I just thought. Well, D- Detroit, know. Detroit's good against the teams that are the average and below average teams. And they don't fare good against above average teams, meaning teams that are above 500. Well, they were also selective. I mean, they, they were competitive for most of the game. It was it was a one possession game up until the fourth quarter. But by then, the defense had already worn out the, the offense. And thus, where in 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 turn, 
wearing out Detroit's defense and they couldn't they couldn't hold them any longer because the offense couldn't sustain anything against the Seahawks defense and that's why you know it ended up being 16 to nothing in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. well uh, on top of that okay for instance everyone was ta- was marveling about how they had all these you know all these fourth quarter comebacks and they'd had like the most in a single season when I saw that that was a huge red flag to me I'm like you can't sustain that in the playoffs, like that's not sustainable. And, and that to me doesn't show a marked level of success. I'm, I, you know, I'm not saying that they, they weren't good or I'm not saying that they're bad, but I'm just saying it's just not a, that's not a, it's not a, you know, you can't sustain success on that. That's all I'm trying to say. And so I was not a believer. And this game to me really showed that, you know, they're, you know, where they're at. Right. And so I wasn't really surprised. It, that shows, Seahawks- it shows resilience, but it, what it doesn't show, you know, good teams are resilient when they have to be, not because they're in that pickle week in and week out. Yes, exactly. You know, so that game, I don't know. It, it is what it is. Raiders, Texans. Um, I was actually surprised at how many people thought the Raiders were going to win because I, I was pretty confident that the Texans would be able to really take advantage of that young quarterback. I mean, the Raiders live and die by Derek Carr. And so with Derek Carr down and out, I just didn't see them. They don't. They don't have much of a defense. You got you know a rookie quarterback in there. I, I just didn't see them getting past the Texans D. And that I thought that result was exactly. I was surprised how many people were surprised by that result. Were you? No, I thought they were going to lose. I picked them to lose. I was three and one this weekend. Um, so with with the lone exception being Green Bay, um, which we'll get to. But in Oakland's case, yeah, once Derek Carr went down, I think only hardcore. Oakland fans would would think that would would be would would be unwise. I'll be nice. Will be unwise enough to think that that this team would maintain any sort of continuity of what you saw during the regular season minus Derek Carr. Absolutely not. That is all rhythm based. That is all rep based. That is all practice and conditioning based. You have Connor Cook who didn't see any of those reps or a fraction of that. There's no way in hell unless he was some second coming of a car or close to it that you would see any continuity of that which didn't exist so i'm not surprised at all that was a game the the game was really close in the first quarter and that was it yeah that was it um steelers dolphins also not really surprised by the outcome Um, no they were in a similar situation as the raiders they lost Tannehill, matt moore who was a previous starter some years back who actually is more competent than connor cook he has experience but i didn't expect him to take over in pittsburgh there's a reason he's not the starter anymore there's a reason he's a backup and steelers just took advantage of that this is a very weak opponent i was i really wanted so I'm, i'm hoping that pittsburgh can can come alive but uh next weekend's going to be a really tough matchup for them in kansas city because kansas city is a much more balanced team their defense is better is more consistent than pittsburgh so ben roethlisberger and company their three-headed dragon being antonio uh brown big ben and Le'Veon bell are really going to have their hands full against the well, we'll talk, defense. We'll, we'll, yeah. we're going to talk we'll about that in yeah. a second so then the final game the one you and i were both wrong about giants at packers I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I was pretty shocked. I w- the first, like the first, I was pretty, it, I felt like it was going the way I expected it to go up until that Hail Mary at the end of the second quarter. You know, like that was, to me, that was the first real dagger. Like Packers drew some real blood there. Those sacks, all those sacks, I thought, oh man, this is what it's going to be all day. You know, Aaron Rodgers is screwed. 
But then that Hail Mary, and I felt like the whole game psychologically for them just turned on that dime. Yeah, and Rodgers actually threw 40 times. He was not as efficient as he normally is, but he didn't throw, he didn't turn the ball over. Over 300 yards, four touchdown passes. He was getting pressured quite a bit, but he was able to overcome that. And I felt like Green Bay really did show that they were honest to God, which doesn't happen very often in football. It's it's, a, it's a, it can be a fifth any given Sunday so you can beat somebody, despite what the odds might say or what you think might happen. So analysis aren't always aren't always the you know they're they're just a it's just a better bet for the odds. But in this case, I felt like Green Bay really took advantage of the momentum they had built getting up to this point and showed that they still had it going into this game because it was pretty close uh, for the first half. And then the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, Green Bay just took it took it to, to New York and they couldn't do anything about it. The defense didn't have an answer for Aaron Rodgers. And I felt like this, was a, this could go an either-or game. If New York was playing a different team, I felt like they would have a better chance, especially someone like Dallas, who's obviously a division rival. I felt like that would be a better matchup. But I, I thought Green Bay had some good momentum going into this game, but I still wanted to play my, put my money on New York's defense. But lo and behold, man, Rodgers came through. He sure did. He really did. And you know what? This um, I was talking to you know our unofficial, I don't know, fifth or sixth host. We have so many hosts, other hosts on the Goldcast now. Uh our father, Rudy Sleese Jr., and we were talking about the difference between, for instance, Andy Reid in the post and Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy's Packers in the post, that, you know, Reid plays a very conservative game and you have to step on the throat. That Hail Mary at the end of the second quarter, that is like going for the throat. And then even at the end of the fourth quarter, Rodgers is still in and they are still going for touchdowns with three minutes left up 31 to 13. They're still going for touchdowns. That is how you play playoff football. You do not stop stabbing until your opponent is dead and the fourth quarter reads 0-0. Zero, zero. That's when exactly. you stop. You know, this there is no gentleman's ball. There is no conservative. There is no, well, let's, you know, let, let's kill the clock. No, no. There is keep doing the formula if it's working and keep racking up points till they're dead. Yes. And I thought that was, I mean, I thought that was brilliant. I mean, with three minutes left, they're still going. And I'm like, absolutely. You don't stop. This is the playoffs. Like, you keep going. And if Andy Reid had a little bit of that in him, I would give more credence to the Chiefs. But we're going to talk about that in a second. But I want to hear your thoughts on that perspective. That's the way you play. And I don't like the, some. I mean, that's what Andy Reid likes to do if he's got a lead going into the third or fourth quarter, more more so late in the game, especially in the fourth quarter, especially when there's a lot of time on the clock still, which is very surprising to me. But when that happens, Andy Reid likes to do, he likes to slow the game down, wear out the defense by running the football more often. Kansas City's a running team anyway, so it's, it's not too far from what their normal formula is, but they tend to ramp it up a little bit when they have a lead. And I feel like you know when you know that's coming, a good team will be able to to help slow down to give themselves another chance because they're like, okay, we're going to get a higher percentage of run plays, so we just need to stack the box or something like mm-hmm. that, and then we can we can give ourselves a chance with a punt or something like that. But so I'm not a big favor of that, but I prefer going for the throat. And 
Rodgers gives you that ability. Obviously, Alex Smith is not that kind of guy, but you can still run plays to score. It, it doesn't just because you can't do it the way New England does it or Green Bay doesn't mean that you you can't do it. It just means you have to do it the way you've always done it, and you should keep doing mm-hmm. that instead of trying to default to this run heavy, slow the game down, eat the clock philosophy. That's very it's very old school football. It's very gentleman football, as you pointed out, and and I if in the pre, in the playoffs the when you go for the throw you you ensure the win and Green Bay ensured the win and Aaron Rodgers certainly put another notch under his belt in his playoff career so I was happy to see that because I do enjoy Aaron Rodgers. There you go. Okay, so looking ahead, uh, let me pull up these Vegas odds. I want to talk about this for a second. Okay, so the divisional round. So. I talked about the wild card. I'm not super crazy about the wild card. I'm glad they kind of just shed the fat of the NFL and get down to the brass tacks. The divisional round is my favorite round because it's four games and it's the best of the best, eight teams. And it's just like, just man, the best of the best. That's always how I feel about the divisional round. It's always super tight. It's super crazy. Uh, We only have one team to me that's undeserving and that's only because of the injury to the Oakland Raiders. But so we have Seattle, at Atlanta, Houston at New England, that's the undeserving team, Pittsburgh at Kansas City, Green Bay at Dallas. So here's the spread. Atlanta's four-and-a-half-point favorites. New England is 16-point favorites. Jeez. Kansas City, one-and-a-half-point favorites. And then Dallas is four-point favorites. So let's talk about the first one, Seattle at Atlanta. Um do you think that's Seattle's game? I mean, I mean, Atlanta's game, again, this is a high-powered offense going against a high-powered defense, and you know what happens in the post against those big defenses. I'm going to give the edge to Seattle because Seattle's been here. They know what they're doing. Atlanta's been here, too. They've been in the NFC Championship game. We've beat them in the NFC Championship game within the last six years. But I'm going to give the edge to Seattle because they tend to turn it on in the playoffs. So despite playing in Atlanta, I do think – uh, Seattle's going to have to – I don't think it's going to be – Atlanta's going to be able to shoot their way uh, through this one like they have all season just because it's a different atmosphere. It's a different energy level. Everyone steps up, and uh, I'm going to give that edge to Seattle here. So I'm going to say Seattle. I think so too, just based on defense, man. Defense wins championships over and over and over again. We're not even going to talk about Houston and New England because I don't think there's any – that offense is so dismal. I mean I feel like my your only hope is that Houston can bang up Brady, and that's about it. Like, yeah, get some good unless, unless he like trips on the way to the game in the locker room and like breaks his ankle, this is, this is such an embarrassing team. I mean they got a handicap win. And this mm-hmm. is a team that has advanced to the divisional round based on a handicap win. They're lucky Derek Carr was not there. And New England should be thankful that Derek Carr and the Raiders are not there because that would be a much more and uh, much more closer game having those two guys shoot it out with, oh, with yeah. that kind of inconsistent defenses, though I'd still give the edge to, edge to New England in that case because they're playing at home and their defense has been more consistent than Oakland. No, oh, no question. No question at all. So let's move on. The next two games on Sunday, I think these are just the creme a la creme, the games to watch. You've got Pittsburgh at Kansas City, Kansas City one and a half favorites. Oh, man, I can't wait for this game. I'm rooting for Alex Smith all the way. Former 49er, let's do this. Kansas City, again, like I said earlier, I think they're the balanced team, so I'm going to give the edge. Obviously, I'm partial to Alex Smith for a, lot, for a variety of reasons, but... 
in terms of where he's at now, I'm going to give the edge to Casey because a they're playing at home. They they have they play excellent at home. They're very balanced. Their defense is way more consistent than Pittsburgh. Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, and Brown will not have the same leverage that they did this weekend against the Miami Dolphins, who is a bottom ranked defense. Their defense is bottom of the barrel with the exception of takeaways. They were 11th this year in the league in takeaways, but none of that showed up this Sunday. I expect a different story in Kansas City, and I'm going to give Alex Smith the advancement over to the AFC Championship. I think so, too. That stadium is loud and tough, and that defense is incredible, and yeah, I I agree. I agree. Kansas City. Okay, so now, probably the biggest matchup of the weekend is going to be Green Bay at Dallas. Dallas are four and a half favorites. I mean, I think I think you can expect pretty much a shoot out for this one. I think so. I think the one edge that you can perhaps give to Green Bay is that you have two rookies at the helm. I don't expect Ezekiel Elliott to bucket that pressure, but I'm curious to see how Dak Prescott responds to this kind of stage because he's never been here before. He had a week. Everyone's had a week rest with so I don't know if that will help them or not. They were not necessarily in it. It's not like they needed rest, so it's just excess rest. And I wonder if there's going to be any fatigue that we see that could be Green Bay's advantage. So this is a tough one to call because I could see it going either way. This is just like the New York the New York Green Bay game that we just had today. So, gosh, I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to take Green Bay. With with their momentum they've got now, I say they take that into Dallas. Ooh! Because the New York defense is better than the Dallas defense, and they beat, you wanna, they beat the New York defense. You want to know who Green Bay reminds me of right now? Um, albeit a, a different style of team, but energy wise, they remind me of the 2012 Baltimore Ravens. That's who they remind me of right now. Like they're just they're just like fuck it, you know live together die alone let's do this like we're just gonna go head hunting no one believes in us like we're just gonna go game by game we're gonna run the tables boom 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 boom, boom. and like that's really where i feel green bay's at right now and uh, i god you know it is for me right now it is really hard to bet against green bay they're a veteran team they've been here before they they have so much confidence this is a young dallas team stepping into the biggest stage and you know you know as well as i do playoffs are nothing like the regular season and that's that's one of those reasons those those qbs those you know uh second and third strings are just getting eaten alive it's a completely different atmosphere and everybody is on a thousand and everyone's going for the throw and it'll be a really great game and yeah i mean if you gun to my head i would go green bay gun to my head the x factor the x factor for green bay is going to be aaron Rodgers much like he did against New York, even though he threw for a lot of attempts and he was not as uh, accurate in terms of percentage, completion percentage as he normally is, if you give him that many opportunities to throw, he will eventually beat you, and he beat you for four touchdowns. So, And then for Dallas, their X factor is their offensive line, more so than their rookies. If their offensive line plays as good as they did in the regular season, then Green Bay's defense is going to have a long day, and they're going to have to shoot. They're going to have to try to outshoot Dallas at that point. And that'll be harder, they can harder do, to though. do. It'll be harder to do if the offensive line is, is is cutting apart Green Bay's defense. Yeah, so there we go. So we're saying Seattle, New England, Kansas City, Green Bay. Wow, there we go. That's it, man. So we're looking at a Green Bay-Seattle rematch. Not a Did they did they go against each other in the NFC Championship last time they played each other? 
Didn't they? Green Bay and Dallas? Yeah, no, Green Bay and Seattle. Uh, yes, I believe they, they did. did, didn't they? Ooh, wow, that's going to be quite a game. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, this is, you know, my favorite round. I cannot wait. So let's move on uh, real quick before we wrap up. Let's talk about the – give us, Raymond, the update on the 49ers GM head coach search. So there's been a lot of discussion about this, obviously, and – to get some clarity, so the first thing that came out this weekend, which I thought was pretty interesting, was that the Kansas City Chiefs, there was there was talk that suggested that the Kansas City Chiefs general manager declined to interview the San Francisco 49ers. But then it later came out, some clarity came out and said, no, it wasn't that he declined. It was actually that Kansas City blocked the 49ers from taking him. And I can see why they would be so hot on this guy. If you look at Kansas City, what they've done in the last five years, they've really progressed. They've not only progressed really well, but they've become a premier football team again. And they've they've done it in a way where the they are one of the most, probably out of the, la- the last group that's in the playoffs right now, the most balanced team in the playoffs and probably the most balanced team in the NFL. And that is very appealing to San Francisco because that is how the team was was during their three-year stretch when they had three NFC Championship appearances, one Super Bowl appearance. They had a balanced team. The offensive line was balanced. The front seven was balanced. The secondary was stout. The running game was stout. The quarterback play was stout. Everything was really balanced. So I think that's why, for obvious reasons, he was a good choice. But we do have some good candidates coming up. This past week, we interviewed Anthony Lynn on Wednesday. On Thursday, we interviewed Green Bay Director of Football Operations, Elliot Wolf. Then there was Director of Player Personnel, Brian Gutnunz, who we've talked about. On Friday, we interviewed the Assistant General Manager of George Patton and Atlanta's Offensive Coordinator, Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan's too young and inexperienced. He's only got one year working with Atlanta. He's had some previous years and stints other places, but I but that's like for he, coaching, right? That's, for, that's coaching. for coaching. So that, that, so Anthony Lane is for head coach, Elliot Wolf and Brian Dunstan are for GM, uh, George Patton from Minnesota, who's also made some good picks and they've grown over the years, but they're still missed. They're still have, having a lot of holes in that team. So I'm not sure he was, he's a great selection. Not my first choice. Kyle Shanahan, no. not my first choice for head coach. I think he's better off like his father going into a situation where there's pre-established infrastructure like Denver, where that that will help him jumpstart his head coaching career. On Saturday, everyone goes really hot on the Niners interviewing Josh McDaniels, the New England offensive coordinator. And rumor has it that Josh McDaniels' preferred team is the 49ers too because he likes the idea that he's playing with a clean canvas and he gets to build from the ground up. Some guys like that. In the NFL, there's a lot of egos. And some people, when, when, you have, when you're one of those people that's like, hey, if anyone's going to do this, I might as well do it myself, like a Josh McDaniels, like a lot of coaches in the NFL, this is an appealing situation. This is why we mentioned this in the previous weeks, talking about how everyone says, oh, we're a dismal league with a last stock. I disagree. I think it's a very appealing situation. Lewis Riddick said the exact same thing. He's scheduled to interview next week. On Sunday, today, we interviewed the vice president of football operations, Jimmy Ray III, who's the son of Jimmy Ray, former coordinator for us. So no relation to Ray Solis the first. No relation to me. God, no. 
No, I'm kidding. He's a good guy. On Monday, January 9th, Washington offensive coordinator Sean McVay. I like this guy quite a bit. Um, not only because he's the grandson, correction, last week I said he was the son of John McVay, our former GM in the 80s and 90s, but he is the grandson of the great John McVay, who was one of the leading personnel guys who was there for all five championship rings. So Sean McVay has a very, very strong position a strong affinity towards San Francisco for obvious reasons because of what his grandfather did for this team so he's somebody I'm high on because he has turned Washington's offense around um over the past few years and they're now a you know play close to being a playoff caliber team and he works with a quarterback that's kind of more or less average but on occasion above average and Kirk Cousins so Mm -hmm. the fact so he has experience building teams so that's what I like about him even though he's really young and that's usually not necessarily a sign that people are high on in terms of becoming an an NFL head coach then we're going to interview Carolina's assistant general manager Brandon Bean not a bad choice there on Tuesday next Tuesday we're going to interview Carolina's defensive coordinator Sean McDermott not a bad choice there, although I'd, I'd still rather like to get an offensive-minded guy in there. Then also on Tuesday, ESPN analyst Lewis Reddick. I am like this guy too because he's huge on Josh McDaniel, so that would be a very good pairing there. It would make a lot of sense personality-wise. We'll see if they get along. It's another story. Sunday, next Sunday is Tom Cable. No thank you. And then Monday on January 16th, we're going to interview two Seattle guys, uh, player personnel Scott Fitterer and director of player personnel Trent Kirchner. Both, I don't mind either choice because Seattle's done great things and they've been competitive for a long time now. So I would expect good things out of them. Well, there you go. That's it. You know, I I feel like it really comes down to this. You've You've got two choices. I feel like, first of all, Denver and San Francisco are the are the premier franchises to go to this year and for opposite reasons. If you want a team that's almost ready to contend and basically ready to go out there, you pick Denver. If you want a blank slate that you can completely mold into your own, you go with San Francisco. I think our our crosstown cross-state rival, the Los Angeles Rams, are one of the least desirable destinations because they have no draft picks, and that's their own damn fault. So don't feel bad about them. I don't care about the rest. Maybe Bortles. I'm, Bortles is the only – like the Jags are the only team that has like a decent quarterback. That's another thing that levels the playing field. Nobody has a real good quarterback. No one expects Colin Kaepernick to stay next year. So, I mean, I don't think I, anyone does. I don't think so, much of Blake Bortles, though. He has, he has a – he's interception prone. So I don't like about him, but but part of it is because of the offensive line. So, but at the same time, you can't be forcing throws into picks. That's terrible. I'd, you'd rather just take the sack or throw out of bounds. Yeah, there you go. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Um, I'm not going to make any predictions because I mean, literally every hour on you know on uh, Bleacher Report, they say that someone else is the new favorite. So you know, you just kind of got to sit back. Yeah, and, and some of them I would take with a grain of salt. Somebody said that. Sean McVay was the odds favorite. I highly doubt that that that's true. I the Niners what is true is that the Niners are probably high on Josh McDaniels for a number of reasons. He's been there for all of New England's Super Bowls. He's been in that winning culture, so he has that going for him, but he obviously didn't build Green Bay, but he was a contributor to Green Bay, but not a huge contributor. We know that the system he's in is is more or less built by Bill Belichick. He's merely one of the facilitators, just like Tom Brady is. I'd be happy with him. I'd be happy with Lewis Riddick. I'd also be happy with either Seattle guy or either Green Bay guy in terms of GM. GM, I feel like there's way more picks in terms of coaching. I feel like Josh McDaniels is one of the only guys. Maybe Sean McVay in a second, too, but you're taking some risk because he is young and doesn't have a lot of experience. Doesn't have any head coaching experience, just coordinator experience. Yeah, there you go. Raymond, 
Where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook at, did we change the name? We sure did. You can find us, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash goldcast. You can also. No, slash, slash the goldcast. Oh, okay. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at the, at, you can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at goldcastsf. We're still working out the kinks with that one. Hopefully, we'll get the name changed soon enough for you guys to make it easier for you to find us. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, all under the same name, The Goldcast. The Goldcast. It's everywhere, all, baby. All under the same new moniker, The Goldcast, baby. We are going broader, bigger, badder, broader. We're representing the whole Bay Area, at least the teams that count. I'm just kidding. All Bay Area teams. <laughs> Bay Area. <laughs> Bay Area, except for the Raiders. <laughs> but yeah, you can find us there, especially iTunes, YouTube subscription. I put a lot of emphasis on that because when you subscribe to that and you you click the notification on either of those, you're going to get notified every time we go live so you can listen to either one of those apps. I'm more of a YouTube Stitcher kind of guy, so if you're on Apple, iTunes would definitely be your preferred uh, application to use. And you can find me on at Twitter at Ray Solis. You can find me uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Rudy Solis Third, Rudy Solis Three RD. You can also find me on Facebook, Rudy Solis Third, just the Roman numeral style. Um, and that's pretty much it. We will be back next week, uh, taking a look at the divisional round. We'll wrap that sucker up. We might even have a uh, have a midweek one, huh, Ray? We're we're we're, we're tossing it around. You might. You might. You, get, might. Yeah, you can you expect might. our other go- guests, guest hosts, or. I'm sorry, some, some of our other co-hosts and uh, reoccurring guests to come back next week as well. Yes, for a nice divisional round wrap-up. Yes, Old Man Davis is still mourning. It's fresh off the loss from yesterday, so he couldn't be here today. He's still... He's holding his son. He's crying. Yes. Yeah, so that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So so concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the Bay Area Fan Perspective. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa Third, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa First, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time, same Goldcast channel. And we are... This is... This is the Goldcast. <laughs>